searching the Lost Earth Archive. Catalog Reduxed. Volume 1. Futures Incorporated. Part 8. The Pond. Written and read by Margaret Pennycook. Away. I walked away from that beautiful garden room with its elegant chairs and its money pond. I walked through the arch and up the ramped pathway, away from the two real human beings. I didn't care where I was going. I just walked, pressing my feet hard on the ground. I had to get away from them. I found an alcove with a bench and plumped down on it. What had Angel said? My angel? My real angel? About dreams. She said there could be bad dreams and that no one was sure why. Something to do with the brain working things out. Well, my brain needed to work something out. How had I come to be sitting in a place with not one, but two real humans, and not know it? One, who must be very old, though she didn't look like the ugly, wrinkly pictures I'd seen on the vert of old people, and one from outside. Windrush didn't fit any of my imaginings of outsiders. She didn't appear violent, though she had taken my sack from me. Was she a secret criminal? She looked so smooth and strong, with an impressive face. Not like the scary people, with ugly faces and nasty behaviour, who he had left outside. This was a very bad dream indeed. It seemed to me I sat for quite a long time. At first I felt like I was punishing those real humans for tricking me like that. Let them worry about me and where I was. Soon they'd come to look for me, wouldn't they? More time passed. They didn't come. I began to feel afraid. Where was I? I wasn't sure of the way back. What if they never came? What about food and drink and all those things I couldn't rely on any more? That wretched android. No, woman, woman, had hidden my food. Had she hidden my stores so she could steal them? These thoughts kept chasing each other in my head. Finally... I took a deep breath and stuck my chin out. I'd show these women they couldn't fool me. At least, I would if I could find them again. The light had changed and suggested it might become night at some time. A rumbling sound growled through the trees and the next thing I knew wetness covered my clothes and skin. Above me, a cloud of water puffed in the air. I stood and shook myself. Those tumbling sensations returned to my stomach. There might be far worse dangers in this garden I didn't know about. Real plants that had to eat? Hadn't Windrush mentioned plants needed food? She said they wouldn't eat me, but could I trust her? Perhaps I would stumble on that cleansing unit and be able to unlock my sack. As the water continued to puff around me, I followed path after path, but couldn't find that lovely pond. What should I do? go on rambling with no idea where I was going and without knowing where there was food and drink sources? Or stay out here in this unknown place? Or find two people who at least seemed to know their way around it? Somewhere above me, something moved from branch to branch, high up, followed by another something. They scrambled above me and seemed to make sounds at each other, not quite like birds, but what were they? I didn't want to be close to them and I didn't want to be near those two females, but I couldn't think what else to do. Standing still, I looked around me and took some more calming breaths. 
It occurred to me that when we first arrived at the pond place, we'd been stepping downwards on the ramp. Coming out, I had needed to walk upwards, like the times when Angel had sent me on runs through the countryside in my gym, where the path had tilted in such a way as to seem more difficult. So I made the decision that when I reached a division in the path, I would go whichever way looked down. I did this several times, and after what seemed not too long, I realised I was on a ramp heading into the circular garden. They must be near. I stopped, thinking what I would say to them about their reckless behaviour of coming close to me. Sounds of speaking murmured towards me. I strained to hear and crept closer to the archway of bushes. You're saying it was always planned to empty the tower. The voice of Windrush carried through the undergrowth. You make it sound much better thought out than it was, said the not-angel person. Windrush had called by her by a name, but I couldn't remember what it was. When the original leads, the tiny number of people who owned so much wealth, made their escape from the consequences of their actions, when they fled the droughts, fires and floods, the famines, the viruses and the intense heat or sudden cold, they abandoned the very people who had helped them become wealthy and safe. They made promises of refuge to those who made this place possible, from architects to crane operators, from people who gave them their intellectual abilities, to those who could swing a hammer, and they broke every one of those promises. I moved a little to one side to get a better view. I could see them through the branches, sitting together now on one of the sofas. They looked so different from each other, the dark, sleek Wondrush and the pale, rosy-cheeked Angel. Not Angel. I've heard stories, of course, said Windrush. Heard them since I was tiny. But you're never quite sure what's true and what is just what people believe. The Not Angel smiled. Good, she said. It's good to hear that there are questions. It's not having enough questions that let so much of this happen in the first place. When people saw their own lives improving, they didn't stop to ask what it meant for others. If there was a hidden price to pay. Not much of this made any sense. How did you come to be one of the invaders? said Windrush. I don't like to be called an invader, came the reply. More of an infiltrator. We didn't rush in with weapons, at least not the kind of a violent attack. Even before the tower was finished, there were those who guessed the elites would not share their space with anyone. Anyone, that is, who wasn't there to make their lives as comfortable as possible. They started to make secret back doors, ways the elites themselves would never know about. It wasn't like the old days when they could stride their property lines with a few dogs and a shotgun to point at the peasants. Sorry, said Windrush, I'm not sure I know what you mean. Not Angel shook her head. I have no idea what it's like on the outside now. I've been here for so long, so my stories might be almost too hard for you to grasp as they would be for Trill. My apologies. Back centuries ago, a landowner could walk around his own property and see where there were weaknesses. He might take a few dogs with him. You still have dogs, don't you? Windrush chuckled. Of course we do. Not Angel nodded. Right. Well, landowners trained their dogs to attack people they didn't like. They had weapons, too, called guns that could injure or kill people. Oh, they weren't supposed to do those things, but too often they were able to use their power to prevent them being punished if they did. Who would train a dog to hurt a human, said Windrush. Anyone who had something to lose. Not just the rich, either. But as I was saying... In a place like the tower, the Leets had no idea where the weak places were. They thought they did. 
They thought they sealed all the doors, but they never understood how anything works. They left security to trusted humans, but they forgot not everyone can be trusted. Not everyone can be bought. Windrush seemed to enjoy listening to Not Angel. She no longer sat so straight and upright, but with her legs curled under her, leaning towards the other woman. It's fascinating, she said. Not Angel brushed those curls of hers with her hand as if they annoyed her. Yes, well, they didn't understand the technology that kept them in luxury. They thought, were told even, that the computers would maintain themselves. They didn't know that innovation had not been programmed in, and that they would need humans, experts, to save them. You mean people from outside? Like you, said Windrush. Not Angel nodded. I drew a breath. She was an outsider too. All sorts of experts. She made a funny little sound. Ha! The irony was, they'd claimed experts were elites who were lying to enrich themselves. They'd denied all sorts of things they knew to be true, just to protect their wealth from clean water regulations to the human causes of global warming. They made the word elites mean something it didn't. Then they took the word for themselves. As I listened, I grew impatient. I didn't want to hear any more of this stuff they were talking about. It didn't seem to be anything to do with me. I felt wet and scared. I needed them to do something about me. I moved through the archway, keeping as far from them as I could. Ah, Madam Trill, I'm glad you decided to rejoin us, said Windrush. I pointed at her. You didn't come to find me. I could have been lost in some kind of danger, and I'm wet. We knew where you were at all times, said Windrush. You were not lost. Stand over there. The light and wind will dry you. I did as she said. Warm air poured over me, and the sun felt hotter. In seconds or minutes, I was dry. You were never in any danger, said Not Angel. It's quite safe here. How would you know? I thought my apartment was safe. The company told me it was safe. And you told me it'd be safe to leave if there was an emergency, that I would be helped. But no one helped me. I might argue that it was not actually me who told you things were safe outside your apartment, but that wouldn't be completely true. I was among the team who planned to make your apartment shut down. So you are right to be angry with me. But you're wrong to say no one helped you. We set in motion all sorts of ways to guide you down the tower. I nearly got run down by a robot that whizzed over my head. (laughs) Well, nearly isn't did. You couldn't have been knocked down by an overhead robot system. They were designed to be well above the height of the tallest leet. But I'm sure it was a bit frightening, said Not Angel. She didn't sound as if she really meant that. But, she went on, You were given small challenges to see if you were able to survive. And you did receive help. You found your way to the chamber. Food and drink, a place of comfort. I hurt my foot, I said. And whose fault was that, said Windrush. You failed to clean up after yourself and learned what can happen if you don't. And, said Not Angel, the Lady Protector not only provided you with shelter and sustenance, she told you to go down. You did. 
that was help too. And Madam Elspeth tended to your injury, said Windrush. Wasn't there another person who helped you too? Confusion was swimming all around me. I didn't understand the situation. I'm curious, said Not Angel. Have you thought about the other leets at all? People you know. Did you consider helping them? My cheeks suddenly felt warm. I didn't want to talk about Sarah. How could I help other leets? They'd hate to be near me, as I would them. There is some truth to that, said Windrush. My hands on my hips, I turned to Not Angel. You said challenges. Yes, we wanted to see how you would fare out of your usual environment, to see what might be the next best place for you. My breath felt tight. I could have died. I could have starved. Died of whatever it's called when you don't get enough to drink. Not Angel now looked very serious. No, Trill, we would never let any of those things happen to you. You experience nothing compared to what your ancestors allowed to happen, knowingly and often willingly to other humans. They were too busy accumulating riches to care about who was hurt by them. Children died of hunger and thirst because your ancestors wanted to add a few more billions to their fortunes. Whether it was digging mines for coal or copper, precious metals, drilling for oil or petroleum, or clearing rainforests, causing so many innocent animals to go extinct just to grow palm oil to suit their greed. They fooled ordinary people into thinking they needed this product or that to make their lives happy, often selling them foods that damaged their health. Like a person drinking salt water when thirsty, they never had enough money or power. They always wanted more. We wanted to replace them, not be them. Not Angel waved at me. Come over here. We need to have a chat. I shook my head. Look, she said, I know it's hard to overcome your inbuilt fear of us, but try to come a bit closer. If you think about it, when you didn't know we were real humans, you managed just fine. Perhaps you can pretend we're not human. Windrush moved a chair a little away from the sofa before sitting back next to Not Angel. Come on, love, said Not Angel. We won't bite. My eyebrows shot up. I'd never considered that they would. You wanted help, and we are here to help you. But we must explain some things to you so you can decide what happens to you. I stayed where I was and pointed at Windrush. She said you were an invader. Did you attack Lady Protector Sabella? Not at all. We made Lady Sabella. Made her? She was not a real leet. We made a virtual leader after the revolution to help those who needed to leave the upper tower and unite those who stayed. Watch. She raised her arms, then let them descend quite gracefully. All of a sudden, a large vert popped up over the pond. In front of me, I saw images of many leets gathered in what looked like the great chamber. There was no sound at first just groups of people standing together, but definitely avoiding getting too close to other groups. Gradually, I heard the sound of voices. People shouted and pointed at each other. What they said wasn't clear. People who were well-dressed, in many different styles, beautiful people whose faces became, well, ugly as they argued with each other. What's wrong with them? Not Angel sighed. They had already spent 
generations in the tower. They were well away from what they feared outside. But they were restless. They still wanted more than they had. Some kept their old ways of wanting to have more than others, even though they already had so much. Others had certain demands. They wanted to extend their lives even more. Women no longer wanted to bear and deliver babies themselves to produce a new generation. Their fears of those not like themselves had turned into fear of each other. Families withdrew into themselves. The images merged with new ones. Pictures of leets enjoying their wealth changed into ones where they looked unhappy. How could that be? Not Angel continued. A few young people, bored with their lives, started looking into subjects Leeds normally ignored. They uncovered the history of the tower, or at least a history, different from the stories they'd been told. They started to confront their elders. Something young people have done in many times in the past. Some say it's a natural part of human development. These elders acted like so many have done before. They tried to shut them down. By now, I was gripped by this new story. Absorbed, I slipped to the ground. It didn't do any good. Their disapproval spurred on the youngsters. They began to look for ways to demonstrate that what their ancestors had done to gain wealth and power to build the tower itself was unacceptable. They began to meet up with each other across different families. They marched through the corridors. They gathered in piazzas. They chanted. They sang. The sounds of voices collected together burst from the vid. Bring rain, bring snow, status quo has got to go. Bring rain, bring snow, status quo has got to go. Did they think that up all on their own, said Windrush. I glanced at her. She looked almost a bit surprised, though maybe not as much as me. And what does status quo mean? It comes from a lost language. It means things as they are, said Not Angel. And no, they didn't think up those behaviour all by themselves. I told you, they did some research. They found old photos and even recordings of protests in the 19th and 20th centuries. Some of their ancestors had made collections in the past of such things. Sometimes to remind themselves what needed to be crushed. How they had crushed opposition before, and how it might be done then. Sometimes they wanted to remove the memory from others that this kind of thing could lead to change. The last thing they wanted. I don't suppose you just happened to help them find those collections, said Windrush. Not me personally, no. That was before I entered the tower. But I just might know who did. Which side was right, I wondered. The young people who looked so attractive in the strange clothes they had decided to wear. They wore garlands of flowers round their necks and in their hair, like crowns. Their faces looked so full of excitement. And yet, meeting like that, so many chances for illness among them, not accepting the life that wealth had brought to them. Confusion rushed through my head like a fast-running stream in the mountains. All of a sudden... Large men and a few women appeared among the gathering waving long sticks. Their bodies looked very strong, like superheroes we'd seen in the old vids. 
They shouted orders to the singers and chanters to stop what they were doing and return to their homes and their families. The crowd ignored them at first, but after a bit they turned and laughed at the people with sticks. Then they started a new chant. We will stay, we we will stay, we we will stay all day. We're staying here, we have no fear, we They began to sit on the floor, still singing, still arm in arm, still swaying to that tune. The people with sticks kept telling them to disperse, but they didn't. After a bit, some men came from the passages leading to the big space of the chamber-like place. They spoke to some of the people with sticks, who talked to other people with sticks. There was a sudden cry, Attack! people with sticks began hitting the young people. They swung the sticks into their bodies. They brought them down on their heads, using the great strength of powerful bodies. Screams and shouts filled the garden. Blood spurted from terrible wounds. People curled up with what I guessed was pain. Others tried to run away as they were chased and hurled to the ground. A wave of shock ran through my body. I scrambled to my feet. What are they doing? I cried. They're attacking the elite, young people. They will hurt them. Stop it. Stop them. The vert collapsed. Both Windrush and Not Angel looked at me. It's not a happy sight, is it? said Not Angel. It's horrible, I sobbed. Who could do that to elites, hurting them? Not Angel gave another long sigh. Other leets, I'm afraid. Many parents of those young people issued those orders to bodyguards and not just hurting, maiming, damaging them very badly, even killing some of them. But that can't be true, I said. Leets shouldn't, couldn't harm other leets. Maybe, said Not Angel, but they often did. In the past, the bodyguards, or retainers as they were sometimes called, weren't leets themselves. They just did their dirty work. The bodyguards were among the few non-leets who actually enjoyed the tower. They enjoyed the training, the mock battles. They worshipped the power of their own bodies. There's almost always a few in society who enjoy violence for its own sake. And always some who want them to do it for them. You mean throughout history, said Windrush, or just in the tower? Throughout the past, there's been too much of might is right. This was the first major example in the tower. There'd been smaller revolts, but this was the biggest. I took a step towards her, then stopped myself. Did you do this? Did you make this happen? She shook her head. No, of course not. But it is what brought me into the tower. How? said Windrush. The older members of the Leets recognised there was a problem that couldn't be ignored. As I said, boredom had led to the unrest. They recognised that if the young people hadn't been bored, they never would have been searching for that material about Earth's and the Tower's past. They understood their society had begun to stagnate. They needed new things to distract and entertain them, but the old programmes weren't able to do that. In fact, some of the computers, 
even those structured for self-repair were breaking down. So they sent for the outsiders. Now it was Windrush's turn to make the odd noises. You mean, because they'd shut out all the experts, they now had to go looking for them? Not Angel nodded and smiled a bit. Exactly. And we were waiting. There'd always been resistors, especially among scientists and engineers, but not just them. Artists and others, plenty of people who had lived through the terrible times set in motion by climate change. They'd worked, at first, just to survive, to mitigate the ravages of extreme weather. But as time passed, they wanted to have justice served. Those who'd done so much to cause it, who'd profited by causing it, should be held responsible. She looked from Windrush to me. The resistors played a very long game of generations and education. They planned for that call for help. They knew it would come, and we were ready. The Tower Leet sent some of their non-leet staff out into our communities. It was all very secret to start with. They didn't want anyone knowing they were in any way weak. But we knew. We had always known. People had been sent in through these insecure doors I mentioned earlier. They'd kept watch and reported back. They'd even made friends among the servant classes who'd had their own reasons for being unhappy. We had a good idea what would be needed, but we added a few secret specialities to the team. She sighed. It was hard to part from our families, but we did so, believing we were doing the best for the planet. Many of us would never see them again. Windrush seemed full of admiration for Not Angel. How did you make them think you were on their side? All sorts of different ways, said Not Angel, sometimes by pretending we didn't want to enter the tower. Then, by listening to their demands and pretending to agree, we let them think we were opposed to the revolution, whilst all the time helping those who wanted to change to set up a different society in the lower levels away from those who treated them so violently. Lady Sabella said they'd been banished, I said, almost to myself, wondering what that meant. Not Angel nodded. It's what we wanted them to think, that they'd won. It helped them to trust us. At the same time, we let it be thought that some of the retainers were to blame for letting in the outsiders to foment trouble. The elites couldn't stand the idea of betrayal. We were able to use new methods of mind control over the retainers. Without physical or mental pain, we removed them from elite society and settled them where they couldn't do damage to anyone else. I tried to recall some of the Lady Protector's words. Didn't Lady Sabella say they wouldn't be allowed to reproduce? Does that mean not have offspring? Not Angel smiled. That's right, Trill. We were determined to remove this most violent streak from the gene pool. That means from the breeding of humankind. Windra stirred. Isn't that a bit arrogant of you? Isn't it giving you the power of a divinity? She must have seen the look of puzzlement on my face as she added, That means acting as if you were an all-powerful being and think you know what is best for humans. The expression of Not Angel's face was hard to read. She crossed her arms and bit her lips. Perhaps, but that's why you have come for me. It is for you to see I am taken to trial. Windrus leaned forward towards her and touched her arm. How did you know? 
Not Angel placed her hand over Windrush's and smiled a little. Because you are here. Then she stood up and started walking along the edge of the pool and back. I'd been sitting on the ground again, but now I stood and moved further from her. She stopped in front of Windrush. Before we came into the tower, we discussed our strategies and what we might do to bring an end to the tower society. We knew there would be hard decisions. As I said before, we didn't want to be like the elites. We wanted a society where everyone had rights and that respect was given in our world to the planet that had provided human life with a home. We agreed there would be choices. When we felt we'd contributed all we could, we would make a decision to end our lives here in the tower at what felt the appropriate time, perhaps sure we were right and avoiding any consequences for our actions. Or we could go back outside as our lives drew long enough and face an investigation into what we'd done. I chose the third way. I wanted travel to the future and see what has happened in the tower and outside. You travelled from the past. I felt astonished. I had no idea such a thing was possible. Can you go backwards? Maybe we could go back to my apartment before all this happened. Not precisely, said Windrush. Dr. Yates, Rosalind, said Not Angel. Ah, right. Rosalind chose to have her biological clock slowed and stayed in a facility just below here that enabled her to live at a very slow pace. A bit like the hibernation some animals did in the outside to help them survive difficult times when food stocks were low. She set certain parameters, rules, as to when she would be revived. I have been training for such an outcome for several years, and then the alert came. But you said you were here to supervise me. I felt like I'd lost some importance. Windrush had resumed her upright position on the sofa. My designation had for some time been about Dr. Yates. She glanced at Not Angel. I'm sorry, she said. I think I should not call you Rosalind. I am here in a formal capacity. Not Angel, Rosalind, Dr. Yates. So many uh, names, whoever she was. Smiled a small smile. Understood, she said. Windrush shifted her glance to me. I had been learning everything I could about Dr. Yates before she entered the tower, and what had been relayed to me from those who returned to the outside. She has had a distinguished career, but I am, indeed, to take her to the outside to face investigation and possible trial. That's a sort of meeting where everyone hears evidence and decides if a wrong has been committed. I had been informed I would also collect witnesses. Some androids have agreed to come outside and testify, tell their stories. Leets would also be encouraged to be witnesses, people who helped to show outsiders what happened. Dr. Yates picked you, Madam Trill. Me? She picked me? All of a sudden, I felt important again. She chuckled. I know, it seems very strange. Why would she choose a child? I pulled myself up into the most dignified position I could imagine. I am not a child. I am 27 years old or 30-something. I'm not a child. Windrush raised her eyebrows and tilted her head, looking down at me again. Really? You look like a child to me. Twelve? 
maybe? Fourteen at the oldest. Not Angel moved back towards Windrush and me. No, she said. Trill is quite right. She is not a child. End of part eight. Continue to part nine. Subscribe for future updates. Share and rate this record to promote future historical research. Visit losteartharchive.com to support continued restoration of this project. Terminating Connection. <laughs>